Acts chapter number 10 tonight, the book of Acts chapter number 10. And if you're able to tonight, as you find our scripture, Acts chapter number 10, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. I was uh, FaceTiming my wife earlier this afternoon after I had uh, visited Miss Helen in the hospital and was just talking to her the first time I talked to her today. And uh, she said, are you ready to preach tonight? I said, I said, well, yeah, I mean, I've got a few things I need to finish up, want to look at and read over. She's okay, and she's looking at me real serious. She goes, are you preaching from your iPad? And I said, well, that's, that's the plan. And she goes, good, because I'm in the nursery. So, meaning she's hoping this is going to be a short message, but it's not going to be a short message tonight. So, Acts chapter number 10, so she better enjoy the nursery, amen. Acts chapter number 10. Uh, hopefully you've come tonight, you're a little... <clears throat> feel like we're a little stiff maybe tonight. I know it's a Wednesday night, and so I was telling Brother Cole earlier, I said, I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight in setting up this message, so hopefully you've come with a little bit of a sense of humor, a little bit, not too much, but a little bit of a sense of humor. So we're going to begin reading in Acts chapter number 10 to set the stage for what we'll be preaching about tonight, Acts chapter number 10, verse number 1. The Bible says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Verse number 7. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all, notice what the Bible says, when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Lord willing, tonight we want to preach on this subject, kind of keeping along with our missions theme for the month, why the priority? Why the priority? Father, we thank you again for the privilege it is to be able to be in your house. Lord, now as we've come to the preaching hour, I, Lord, I pray that you'd <clears throat> work in our hearts. Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, I know tonight that these people did not come to hear from Brother Andrew. They came to hear from you. Lord, I need to hear from you. And I'm thankful, God, that this month, as we've been focused every Sunday, the last two Sundays, on missions, and Lord, even on Wednesday night, thinking about the message that Brother Jim Wolfram preached last Wednesday night, Lord, the, the emphasis on, on missions and on giving, and Lord, seeing the vision, even the songs, the specials we've been singing and have heard this month, Lord, it's so easy for us just to let it go in one ear and out the other. I pray tonight that we've come to get in, that we've come to hear from you. Lord, we've honestly come tonight to allow you to search our heart. And to reveal to us the areas of our life that maybe aren't a priority like they ought to. Lord, I pray tonight that you would use me as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Why the priority tonight? And I'll give you a few examples, uh, uh, some illustrations, if you would, of the importance of priorities. A group of friends went deer hunting and paired off in twos for the day. That night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering under a 12-point buck. Hallelujah, right there. Brother Brett would never know what a 12-point buck is, but that's another story. So one of the hunters asked, he said, hey, where's Harry at? 
Well, uh, you know, he, Harry had a stroke of some kind, and he's a couple miles back on the trail. You left Harry lying there and carried the deer back? And the hunter said this, well, it was a tough call, but I figured no one was really going to steal Harry. His priority was the deer. <clears throat> the famous Dallas Cowboy football coach Jimmy Johnson divorced his wife of 26 years when he left coaching a college team to become the head coach in a national football league. He said he needed a wife while coaching on the college level for social functions and to show families that he would be looking out for their sons. But in pro football, Jimmy Johnson said this, that she was unnecessary and a distraction to winning. He said winning football was his number one priority and then his two sons second. How tragic of a statement is that? How would you like to be one of those two sons? In stark contrast to this, Tom Landry, another famous Football, uh, former football coach for Dallas Cowboys said this. He said, the thrill of knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. He said, I think God has put me in a very special place and he expects me to use it to his glory and his honor in everything that I do. Whether it's coaching football or talking to the press, I'm always a Christian. Tom Landry said this, Christ first, family second, and football third. Talking about priorities. Hayden Robinson, the author of the book Biblical Preaching is one of the books that we had that, I, I, that I've read multiple times. I know pastor's read It's one of the books that we use during homiletics and Bible college. He points out that one old recipe for rabbit stew started out with this instruction. First, catch the rabbit. Here's what Robinson said. He said, the writer knew how to put first things first. That's what we do when we establish priorities. We put the things that should be in first place in their proper order. You see, it's safe to say tonight that priorities are an important, integral part of our everyday life. Would we agree to that statement? That every one of us tonight lives everyday life dealing with certain priorities in our life. It doesn't matter if the priority tonight is our home or our job or our health, our future, it's, it's, or even our personal walk with God. Priorities are a fundamental part of our life. Give me, I'll give you an example. For some of us tonight, the priority is just simply to stay awake during the service. Right, Levi? Levi has a habit of always falling asleep during the preaching. So his priority tonight is to hopefully stay awake during the preaching. For some of us tonight, the priority might be to finish high school. Right, Cole? Amen. Priorities to finish high school and to not get killed in the process of it. For some of us, it's to make sure that we don't sleep through our alarm tomorrow so we're not late to work and having to come up with an excuse of why we showed up late for the 20th time in the last week. For some of us, the priority is to get healthy. For some of us, the priority is to have a better marriage. For some of us, the priority is to raise our kids godly. But for some of us, maybe it's just to enjoy life and not stress about everything that we see on the news or on social media. When our priorities are not what they ought to be, we tend to run into trouble and frustration. And growing up, my dad had this famous saying, and I'm sure many of you have heard it, and maybe you've said it even to your own kids, but I can, I can picture my dad in his wisdom and, and in his, his very dad-type voice and demeanor he would say this, son, don't put the cart in front of the horse. Have you ever heard that before? Don't put the cart in front of the horse. Ultimately, here's what my dad was saying. Son, keep your priorities in check. Keep your priorities in check. And let's be honest tonight that we can all admit that there's been at least one time in our life where our priorities have not been what they should be. We may not want to admit it to our spouse. We may not want to admit it to our best friend. We may not want to admit it to Brother Andrew or the pastor or to anybody else. We may not even want to admit it to God. But let's be real tonight, 
that there's been a point in our life where our priorities have not been what they should be. We could say amen to that right there. However, our number one priority ought to be, and and really the focus for this month has been the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our priority ought to be the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, our priority ought to be people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bottom line. Listen, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter how many kids we pick up on the bus route. It doesn't matter how many youth activities we have. It doesn't matter how great our Sunday school department is. Listen, if people are dying and going to hell, what's the point of all those things? I mean, that's great. Bus ministry, great. Youth activities, great. Sunday school, great. Jail ministry, great. Uh, addictions ministry, great. All those things are great. But if we're doing those things without focus on the number one priority, and that is seeing people saved for the, uh, for the glory of God, we're missing out on the number one priority. We're missing out on what God puts as a priority. So let's go back to our text tonight in Acts chapter number 10. As of Acts chapter number 10, telling Gentiles about Jesus Christ had not yet become a priority. I, I don't want to get too political, but we got to get a little bit political. There was some, definitely some prejudice and there was some racism that we can find within this passage of Scripture where the Jews, if you would, would not give the gospel to the Gentiles. No, no, listen, we got to understand tonight the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews, having known Jesus Christ, specifically, we're going to talk about Simon Peter in this passage, but the Jews knowing Jesus Christ and their philosophy of the early church was this. Hey, listen, salvation is for the Jews. Salvation is for those that are chosen of God. They're for the Jewish race. And here, God begins to break down those barriers, begins to break down those walls, and say, no, the gospel's not just for the Jew. The gospel's not just for you, Peter, or for you, Andrew, or for you, Matthew. The gospel is for all mankind. And one of the things that, listen, if we're not careful tonight, we just read through this passage of Scripture, and we don't see the principle here that God puts the priority, listen, not on the Jew, but on the individual. God doesn't put the priority on the Gentile. God puts the priority on the individual. So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? Listen, it doesn't matter your color, your skin. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what part of this world you're from. You need to get saved. Bottom line. Bottom line. It doesn't matter if you're from St. Joseph, Missouri. It doesn't matter if you're from the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa or, or from South America or from Asia, Australia, you name it. You need to get saved. And God here is getting, he's, he's, he's breaking down that barrier, if you would, with the Jews that were there in the early church. In Acts chapter number 1, Jesus said this to the early church. He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That word uttermost means this. It means the farthest to the ends of, to the final place. Jesus looks at that early church and he says, listen, in a nutshell, here's what he says. Your, your witness, your testimony, your preaching, salvation is not just for those that are at Jerusalem. It's not just for those that are Judea. It's not just for those that are Samaria. But Jesus said this, that gospel message, that salvation is for the whole entire world. Jesus is saying in a nutshell, here's the priority. Here's the priority. So let's ask ourselves, as Riverside Baptist Church, what's our priority? What's the priority for us as a church? Well, Brother Andrew, it's to, you know, it's to see people fill the, the seats. Brother Andrew, it's to see more people fill the seats. Listen, that's great. That's awesome. Hey, Brother Andrew, it's to have, a, to have a big choir, to have a big choir, like have people all over the place. Brother Bronner would be like, amen, praise the Lord. I'm all for that. But you know what? That's not the priority that we're seeing right here. That's not the priority, I believe, that God, through this month of, 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 of missions month in October here in 2020, that's not the priority God's wanting us to focus on. God, listen, God's wanting us to focus on the hearts and the souls of individual people. 
Listen, I'm thankful this morning that there are people that come every Sunday morning, listen, that I know they're lost. And some of you know, you know people that come every Sunday morning and as pastors up here preaching, you can see the look on their face and you can see the conviction. And you're like, man, I know that person needs to get saved. But can I say this? For every one person that's in here on a Sunday morning lost, there's about a thousand others here in St. Joseph, Missouri that need to be here and need to hear the gospel and need to get saved and need to know that love of Jesus Christ. They need that thing. They need that. That needs to be our priority to give them the gospel. But are we fulfilling that priority? Are we focused on that priority? Is that the objective of our church? It's very evident that God's desire, if you read this passage of Scripture, and and we won't look at all of chapter number 10, but I encourage you to go back and read all of chapter 10 and chapter number 11. It really gives the context here in chapter number 10 between Cornelius and between Peter. And then in chapter number 11, Peter goes back to the church. Hey, what a a story. I mean, here Peter is. He shows up, and I'll kind of give you the ending to the message we're still going to have the ending here in a few minutes. Uh, but, but Peter, he, he gets to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius gets saved. His house gets saved. Revival breaks out. Man, it's an awesome story, Brother Mike. Awesome. You get to the end of chapter 10, and you were like, I want to charge hell with a squirt gun. Let's do this. Man, it's awesome. But then you get into chapter number 11, and you get the, the Christians that are there at the church in Jerusalem, and they're like this with Peter. Yo, bro, what do you mean you're preaching to Gentiles? What do you mean a Gentile got saved? Are you serious? Like, what's your problem? No, no, no. That's what's taking place in Acts chapter number 10 and Acts chapter number 11. And can I say this? That let's, just, let's just be real tonight. It's a Wednesday night crowd. That if we're not careful, sometimes we can have the attitude of the Acts chapter number 11 church. No, 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 no. Listen, there's no preaching on the floor tonight. We can have the attitude of Acts chapter number 11 church. We can have that like, what do you mean that person? They don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They don't talk like us. They don't do this and they don't do that and they don't do this and they don't do that. And Peter was the one that was used of God when God said, Peter, the priority is not just the church at Jerusalem. The priority is not just you, Peter. It's not just the other apostles. Peter, the priority is not just that local church there in Jerusalem. Peter, the priority is the souls of men. And in order for Peter to understand that priority, God had to take Peter out of that comfort zone, get him away from the other Jews, and take him to a Gentile. And of all the Gentiles to take him to, it was a Roman soldier. Roman soldier. It's evident that God's desire was for the gospel not just simply to stay in the walls of Jerusalem, but to scatter, to go abroad. Great prejudice and mistreatment was taking place between the Jews and the Gentiles. You see, the Jews considered the Gentiles to be, quote, dogs. In fact, if you don't know this, the Jews actually had a ritualistic process to cleanse themselves after coming in contact with the Gentile. Listen, Jews and Gentiles didn't fellowship together. They didn't didn't say, hey, you want to come over for Sunday afternoon brunch? No, 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 no. That, that didn't take place. You know, you invite someone to church. I, I'm sure you've done this. I've done this. That you invite someone to come to church and say, hey, man, come to church on Sunday with me. And then after, we'll go grab a bite to eat. Anybody ever done that? Everybody been there? Hey, after, after service, why don't you come over to the house and we're going to have roast and potatoes or steak or hot dogs or hamburgers or top ramen, macaroni and cheese, whatever the case is. And we're just going to fellowship. No, no, no. Jews weren't walking up to Gentiles go, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, how about you come on over for a cup of tea and some biscuits? That wasn't taking place. There was a stark contrast between the Jew and the Gentile. But Jews considered the Gentiles dogs. <clears throat> Cornelius was just one of the many non-Jewish people we read about in our Bible who had looked at, listen, who had looked at the idolatry of the world and looked at Roman paganism and said this, it's not real. It's not real. No, no, look at our text. Look what our Bible says here. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. 
So obviously, Cornelius was a man of power. He's, he's, a, he's a leader. He's got a hundred men underneath his control. And so the Bible says in verse number two, those with the Bible, how the Bible describes him. It says, a devout man and one that feareth God with all his house, which giveth much alms to the people. And notice what the Bible says here, and pray to God always. I was, I was reading this, I was reading this, Brother Greer, this afternoon again, and I, I stopped on verse number two as the Bible's describing, at this point in time, the Bible's describing a lost man. And notice how the Bible describes him. A devout man. One that feareth God with all his house. You say, what does that mean, Brother Andrew? It means this. It wasn't just that Cornelius feared God, but that Cornelius' house, his wife, his kids, his servants, maybe even some of those guys that he had a, had a leadership role over, maybe even they, they saw Cornelius' testimony and they, they heard what he said. Listen, even they feared God. Look what else the Bible says here. It says, and gave much alms to the people, and notice the Bible says, and prayed to God always. Man, by reading this, Brother Mike, I think, man, he's talking about a saved individual. No, 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 no. God's telling us about a lost man. This is the testimony of a lost man. This isn't the testimony of somebody who's on fire for God. This isn't the testimony, listen, this isn't the testimony of somebody who saw Jesus ascend back up to heaven. This isn't the testimony of somebody who was at the day of Pentecost and saw 3,000 saved and, and added to the church. No, no, this is the testimony of a lost man. This is the testimony of someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, but in that state, listen, in that state, the Bible says he fears God. He prays always. Man, what a, what a testimony. Listen, what a testimony of Cornelius as a lost man. So it got me thinking, man, what's my testimony as a saved man? Man, man, I, let's, let's just look at, look, at, look at verse number two. Let's, let's say it like this. Let's just, let's just say it like this for, for illustration. We're going we're gonna to move on. There was a certain man in St. Joseph called Andrew, an assistant pastor at the church, Riverside Baptist Church. Now, could this, next, could this be said about me, a devout man? One that feared God with all his house, which giveth much alms to the people, and prayed to God always? Kind of puts in a little bit of different light when you add yourself in there, right? Makes you wonder, man, how do I stack up to Cornelius? I mean, Brother Andrew, here's, here, here's a man that is lost, and we're going to get into it here in a second, and what God's doing in his life. Here's a man who's lost, and he has this testimony, that, and the Bible describes him this way, but man, Brother Andrew, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Could, could God say that about me? Makes you think. See, Cornelius was devout. He, he worshiped God, the God of the Jews. He did not worship the idols of the Gentiles. He did not work at, worship the pagan idols that, that the Romans desired uh, to worship. And he, he didn't follow along those tracks. But listen, in, in, even in that, even in his desire to know God, he was lost and headed for hell. He was lost and headed for hell. See, I believe tonight we need to be reminded that God puts a priority on the gospel. I believe we need to be reminded that we have a priority as a church to get the gospel, not just to the regions beyond, but even here in St. Joseph, Missouri. When was the last time, uh, Brother Mike just mentioned just a few minutes ago, but when was the last time you handed a track out to someone? When was the last time, Sunday school teachers, bus workers, that you went and just visited your kids just to visit? When was the last time you sent a text to somebody that maybe you've been praying for? When was the last time that maybe we went out of our way to, to reach someone? Listen, we as a church, as, as a congregation, we ought to have somebody that, that we're praying for, we're working on, that, that we, listen, we specifically pray. 
Lord, would you, would you allow me to be a witness and a testimony to this individual? Lord, would you allow me to give the gospel? Lord, would you allow me to be the, the Christian that I ought to be in front of this person? It ought to be our priority. It ought to be our desire. You see, the Bible makes missions a priority. And until we do the same, we're out of step with the plan of God. Personally, I believe this. I believe there are more people willing to hear the gospel than there are Christians willing to tell about the gospel. So tonight, I want to do this. I want us to look at this account here in Acts chapter number 10. I want to illustrate three reasons real quickly tonight. We'll be done. Why missions is a priority. Why missions is a priority. Number one, we're to ask Cornelius, Cornelius, why is missions a priority? And why should missions be a priority for Riverside Baptist Church? I believe Cornelius would say this. We can see this right from our text here. Because all religions do not have the same end. All religions do not have the same end. Look at our text here. The Bible tells us in verse number 1 specifically that Cornelius is a centurion. He's a Roman. The Bible tells us this, that he's a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He's in charge of a hundred men from Italy, and he's there in Caesarea right on the coast between Israel and the Mediterranean. And so he's obviously in a very, uh, very prosperous area. But in Caesarea, Caesarea was known as a Gentile hub, if you would. Caesarea was a Gentile home, and, and no Jew would go to Caesarea, so Cornelius is there. But in, as Cornelius is a Roman, you would think, okay, well, a Roman, I mean, obviously he, he'd be like the other Romans. He'd, he'd worship false gods, and he'd worship false idols, and he'd do those things. No, no, the Bible tells us in verse number two, notice how the Bible describes him again. It says, a devout man, and one that feareth God with all his house, which giveth much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. You see, Cornelius was a religious man, but religion could not save Cornelius. Listen, how many people do we work with? How many people do we live with? How many people will be at a funeral on Friday, Brother Mike? Listen, they're religious, they're religious, they're religious, they're religious, but they're lost and on their way to hell. I've been watching, I just, just briefly here and there, snippets of what has taken place in the Supreme Court, the nomination for the Supreme Court and, and the senators questioning uh, the lady that President Trump has nominated for the Supreme Court. And it's amazing how many of them are really nailing in and even side pieces on on her Catholic background, and really making her religion a big deal. And listen, I'm thankful tonight that I'm in a Baptist church. I'm thankful tonight that I'm an independent Baptist church. But listen, I'm not going to heaven tonight because I'm Baptist. I'm not going to heaven tonight because of some religion. I'm not going to heaven because I'm on staff. Listen, I'm going to heaven tonight because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Cornelius was at this point in his life, the Bible says that he was a devout man, that he feared God, that he loved God, that he, he gave alms to the people. He was trying to work his way. But then the Bible says this, and he prayed to God always. It wasn't the fact that, that Cornelius was just giving to the poor. It wasn't just the fact that Cornelius was, was trying to watch everything that he did. And when the Bible talks about his devotion, him being devout, and, and how he lived his life, it wasn't just about the outward expression that Cornelius was taking, that was taking place in Cornelius' life. No, 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 the Bible says this, that he prayed always. What does that mean, Brother Andrew? It means this. Cornelius desired a walk and a relationship with God. But the problem was, he did not have it. So how do you know that, Brother Angie? Look at verse number three. The Bible says he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. When he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Cornelius was obviously doing all the outward things, all the religious things, all the things that religion would have him to do. But evidently, deep down inside, there was no real salvation. 
No real salvation. You see, he worshiped the one true God the best he know how to. Can I say this? There are thousands, millions, maybe even literally billions of people across the globe tonight, tonight, that deep down inside their heart, they're trying to worship God the best way they can. And they're worshiping God completely lost. Completely lost. If you study, if you study people groups and you study culture, you'll find that as, 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 as people, and I believe it's been mentioned just even just in the last couple of weeks with the missionaries we've had, that as people find these people groups, and I believe Brother Shane mentioned it, Brother Shane Mallard two weeks ago mentioned this, as, as, as people would find these people groups and, and would move in to get to know what these people groups believe, that they always believed or always had a worship system in place. Even, even thinking about just America in and of itself, and America and its history, uh, when the Europeans came across the Atlantic and landed in America, and the Native Americans were here, and as they worshipped, the, and, 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 and we, had a, we had a man in our church in Colorado uh, who, who was, a, it was Navajo, and he, was, he talked to me about the belief system of the Navajos and what was being passed down from generation to generation. Listen, he was a saved man, but he told me, always told me this, Brother Andrew, it's so hard to reach uh, those in the Navajo nation, because their mindset of God is different than the Bible. No, no, they believe there's a God. They believe that there's a God in heaven, but they're just worshiping God the wrong way. And now we could say this would be Cornelius. I believe you look at this passage of Scripture, Cornelius knew there was a God. Cornelius knew that there was a God in heaven. And not listen, not just a God in heaven, but the God in heaven. And the Bible tells us specifically that, that Cornelius worshipped the God of the Jews. That he worshipped the God of the Jews. The Bible describes him as being devout. And so I looked at that word, I was like, what does it mean to be devout? I mean, how would, why would God describe him in verse number two, a devout man? And it means this. Uh, two words are translated in the New Testament, devout. One of them means this, to have a religious attitude or an inner feeling. And somebody who's devout. Well, you probably say maybe the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were, they were, they were devoutly religious. We could agree to that statement. But with Cornelius, it was a little bit di- deeper than that. Cornelius' word there in the Greek word used for devout means this, a religious sincerity that expressed itself in outward activity. You ever met that individual that says they're a Christian on one side of their mouth, and then on the other side of their mouth they're saying something completely else? Saying something completely different? No, no, no. Cornelius had the testimony of this, that if he said out of this side he was, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to live for Jehovah God, he was in the same out of this side as well. He was devout. Look what the Bible says. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house. It wasn't just the fact that Cornelius feared God, but the Bible tells us this, that his whole house feared God. So what's the big deal, Brother Andrew? The big deal is this. Why missions has got to be a priority. Is Cornelius and his house was living after a religion and not a relationship. Cornelius and his house was focused upon a religion. You understand the system that the Romans had and, and religion in and of itself at this time. They do know better. They, he, he thought he was doing the best he could. He knew that the religion of the Romans was not, was not what it should be and it was not real. But yet, in and of itself, he did not understand salvation in its purest form. It makes no sense for us to think tonight that, oh, you know, somebody will eventually tell them, somebody will eventually see the need, and somebody will eventually go. Oh, no. Listen, there are people tonight that are dying and splitting hell wide open because they're religious. And they never have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Missions is a priority because religion, all religions, don't have the same end. 
See, Jesus Christ is not a way to God. He is the way to God. And if no one goes and tells Cornelius, Cornelius dies and splits hell wide open. Let's keep reading our text here. Look at verse number 3. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. And notice what, notice, listen, notice what the angel says here to Cornelius. He says, He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. Notice what the angel says here. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Missions has got to be a priority because God desires to get the gospel to seeking sinners. He said, where do you get that, Brother Andrew? Look at the last part of verse number 6. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. What do you think Cornelius' prayers were like? Well, I mean, let's, let's think about this for a second. What, what do you think? When you, when you read that right there, do you mean you just read verse 6? And he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Bro, Cornelius, you just need to get saved. Put your faith in no, no. Do we ever stop and really think, man, Brother Greer, I wonder what Cornelius was asking God. I, I wonder the conversations that Cornelius was asking God. I wonder what Cornelius was saying to God. You realize tonight that there are people in the, listen, not just people in St. Joseph, but people in America that are, are crying out to God for answers. No, no, they're, no, they're legitimately asking God, God, I need, I need an answer. Lord, I need to know. God, I, I don't understand what's going on in my life. God, I don't understand the trial I'm going through. God, I don't understand the dilemma I'm in. Lord, I, I feel hopeless and I feel discouraged and I, I, I feel so left out. And, and God, I'm just, I'm just struggling. God, I need some answers. I'm sure maybe Cornelius in his prayer time with God was probably maybe something, some, saying something a little bit like this. Are you there? Do you hear me? I know the pagan worship is, is, not, is not real. I, I've, heard about, I've heard about this Jesus, and I, I've heard about Moses, and I've heard about Elijah, and, and I've heard about John the Baptist. Well, I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, so my brain kind of wanders a little bit. I don't know what his prayers were like, but obviously it had to be something along those lines because notice what God says here in verse 6. And he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. I don't know, maybe, maybe Cornelius in his travels and his, in his travels from Caesarea down to Joppa or from Caesarea most likely maybe to Jerusalem, maybe he heard something, maybe he saw something, uh, maybe, uh, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Brother Mike, somebody walked up and gave him a track. I mean, I, mean I, I don't know what happened, I don't know what took place, but obviously there was something in, uh, in Cornelius that he was asking God, God, I don't understand this. God, I don't know. God, I don't have peace. God, I don't have the hope. I, I, God, there's something missing. God, I don't understand it. And the Bible tells us this, that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, basically, hey, send some servants down to get Peter. and He'll tell you what you oughtest to do. You see, missions has got to be a priority because God desires to get the gospel to seeking sinners. In Romans chapter number one, we, re, we won't have time to go there, but in Romans chapter one, verse 19, the Bible tells us this, because that which may, uh, which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Listen, I, I, I was talking to a lady the other day at the DMV, and she was mentioning, talking about being uh, uh, atheistic, and, and Brother Leo Payne and I were there, and she was telling Brother Leo and myself that, uh, she's like, you know, I'm atheist, or my boss is atheist, and I, and I said, listen, I said, I've met a lot of atheists in my lifetime, witnessed to a lot of atheists in my lifetime. You know what I've realized about atheists? They're really not atheists. 
And man, it stopped her cold in her tracks, Brother Don. It just stopped her cold in her tracks. And I said, listen, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that even the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And she just stood there like, she had no argument. Listen, no argument. A lost person, when confronted with the scripture, had no argument. She couldn't, she couldn't deny that. She couldn't say, well, you know what? You just believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what. No, no. She couldn't even say that. She had to acknowledge the fact that there is a God in heaven. And can I say this? There are still people out there this, tonight and, and tomorrow morning we get up that are still seeking for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's still those that are seeking for hope. There's still those that are seeking for fulfillment. There's still those that are seeking for peace. And if we and if I sit back in the church house and don't go out and reach them, they're going to die and split hell wide open. Man, could you imagine Peter? Brother Greer, could you imagine Peter at home praying? The Bible, the Bible you read in chapter number 10, Peter's praying and and, and the, three, the three servants, the two servants and the, and the guards show on up to get Peter. Could you imagine Peter going, I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time for this, Brother D. I ain't got time for this. Man, my name's Peter. I'm, a, I'm the Apostle Peter. Like, bro, you don't understand. I walked on water. I ain't got time to go see Cornelius. I ain't got time to go to no Gentile place. I ain't got time to mess with this. Man, I got, I got bigger and better things to do. Man, I preached and 3,000 people got saved. All, we'd be the same way. We'd be the same way. Man, 3,000 people got saved and the Spirit of God came down. Oh, Trevin, you talk about revival. Woo! Man, that's awesome. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Man, what a different story. What a different story. So made me think about this this afternoon, Brother Mike. How many people has God worked on? Has God brought me into my life? That I've said, you're not a priority. That I've said, you, I've got bigger and better things to do than to take the Word of God and to sit down and to spend 15, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, four hours, five hours, whatever it takes, and to take them and show them their need for salvation. Cornelius was seeking. You know why missions is a priority? You know why the first Sunday of November when we give our missions commitment Listen we, listen, we may think, oh, it's just a number, Brother Andrew, it's just an amount. No, no, no. It's bigger than that. It is bigger than that. I've often heard it said like this, Faith Promise Sunday is the most important business meeting the church will ever have. And it is. Because you know what that meeting decides? Here's what that meeting decides. Here's what that meeting decides. Whether or not those people outside these walls and these missionaries that were represented by these prayer letters on these walls it decides whether or not they're a priority. That's what it decides. That's what it decides. You see, God knew Cornelius was seeking him. But not only do we see a sinner seeking Cornelius, but look at verse number four. It says, And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up from memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Not only do I see a seeking savior or a seeking sinner, but I see a seeking savior here. God already knew exactly what Cornelius needed, and so the angel comes to Cornelius and says, listen, God knew about your devotion, God knew about your prayer, God knew what you were desiring, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to send Peter your way. He told him the name, the address, the location of the one who could show him the way of salvation. There are three great truths in these facts. Number one, 
God sees the heart and knows when a man desires to know the truth. God sees the heart of people that we have the opportunity and the privilege to minister to. God knows, number two, exactly where to find the person who can lead that person to Christ. And God will do, number three, whatever he has to do to bring the two together. I don't, I don't think there's a coincidence. I don't think it was a coincidence last week when Brother Leo Payne called me and said, hey, I locked the keys in my truck. Can you go to the house and get the keys and meet me at the DMV? I, I don't think it was a coincidence that as I pull on up, Brother Leo's talking to this lady, and I had a track, uh, I had a, an invite for our church, and one of the pastor's tracks, a hand to her. I don't think it was a coincidence, Brother Mike, that we started talking about being an atheist and being able to refute that and give her scripture. I don't believe, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't. I don't. I believe in God's providential will. I believe in God's perfect will. And just like God knew exactly where Cornelius was and exactly what Cornelius needed, listen, there are people tonight that God is looking at, and he goes, I know what you need. And I just need to get this person to make, listen, to make you a priority so that you can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven's your home. And then lastly, look at verse number 7. It says, And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a, devoted, a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he declared all these things unto them, could you imagine that briefing? Could you imagine that meeting? I've been in some meetings before and, and, and some, some school meetings, some staff meetings, just some meetings. And, and could you imagine that meeting? Cornelius pulls in his two servants. He probably pulls in his second in command. And he says, listen, guys, here's the deal. I just had an angel appear to me. Sounds good, Cornelius, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and here's the deal. Uh, he knows, he knows what I'm looking for. He knows how I can get the answer. Oh, that's, that's good. You had your morning coffee yet already? I mean, come on, it's, it's a little early. No, no, no. Here's the deal. You got to go to Joppa. What? And that's 30 miles south. No, no. You got to go to Joppa. And not just to go to Joppa, you need to go find this man by the name of Simon Peter. And just don't go find him, but find him and bring him back here. Number three, missions is a priority because God only uses men to reach men. The angel couldn't tell Cornelius how to be saved. You ever thought about that? I mean, let's look, look, look at the text. The angel appears before Cornelius. You know the angel could have said? Hey, listen, Cornelius, here's the answer. Cornelius, you want to know how you can spend eternity in heaven? The angel didn't do that. Can I say this? He's not going to do it today either. He's going to use you and me to take the gospel to someone who's looking, someone who's searching, someone who's seeking, someone who's desiring to know for sure that heaven is their home. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul would write this to the church at Thessalonica. He said, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. 1 Corinthians, Paul would write this to the church of Corinth. He said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You see, tonight God has no other plan. He has no other program other than using you and I to give the gospel to a lost and dying world. For Cornelius to hear the gospel, Peter had to be obedient to God's plan. In order for men to hear the gospel, men must go and tell it. And if we don't go and tell, we don't support it, we don't promote it, we don't speak of it, it's obvious the gospel is not our priority in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul would write this, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Cornelius... 
Why should missions be a priority for Riverside Baptist Church? Cornelius, you're a lost man. Why should missions be a priority? Well, number one, because all religions do not have the same end. Listen, we live in a very religious city, if you haven't figured that out. I challenge you to go knock some doors and and ask people. I always, when you talk to people, invite them to church knocking doors. Normally they'll take the track, and then the next follow-up question is, hey, do you have a church home? And you'll get one of two things. You'll either get, uh, yeah, that church around the corner. Or they'll tell you specifically where they go. Then you ask this question, do you know for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Man, that really makes people uncomfortable. Listen, if you come up and ask me tonight, hey, Brother Andrew, if you were to die today, do you know where you go to heaven? If, whether or not you go to heaven? I, I don't mind telling you. I don't have a problem telling you my testimony. I don't. I don't. And if, listen, if you're truly born again, you're truly saved, you should not be offended or have a problem telling somebody your testimony. Shouldn't have a problem with it. But listen, all religions do not have the same end. Cornelius would say, number two, because God desires to get the gospel to seeking sinners. I remember as a fifth grade young man being at Awana's Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I, I remember going to our Awana program, Brother Philip, and I was, I, I can't remember what specific class it was called that I was in, but I, I remember doing the program. My dad didn't go to church. My dad wouldn't go to church. My mom took us, seven of us kids, to church by herself. It's a 45-minute drive from the house to church, and Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I remember that Wednesday night when we did the program, my dad went. It was one of the very first times I'd ever seen my dad step foot inside of a church. And I was fifth grade, so I was probably like 10 or 11 years old. And I remember coming back, my mom was teaching a Sparky's class, and the little kid's class, and I remember coming back into her class after the program, and I watched my dad over in the corner. He was sitting down on the floor, and he was weeping. The message that night that our pastor, Brother Tyson, preached was a simple salvation message. I knew my dad was lost. I knew my dad was lost, Brother Mike. I knew what God was working all over him. And I remember walking over to my dad and saying, Dad, are you okay? I, I mean, I was old enough by then to know. I'd been saved for a couple years. He said, son, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. That was probably 19, maybe 1993, 1994. Fast forward about three, four years. I, I remember that Sunday morning, Brother Abel's got done preaching, and my, the pew shook, and and I'm on this end in the middle aisle of that old country church there in Knob Nostra, and I look on down, and my mom's on that end, and my dad, through a course of circumstances, the military, was at church that Sunday and had been coming to church every service for a month. And I remember the, at Calvary, we had the prayer uh, letters along the sides of the building. And I remember my dad holding his hand up, walking down that aisle, and coming forward to get saved. I remember my dad kneeling at that altar, Brother Abel stepping down, and my dad just reaching up and grabbing his hand and just flat down on, on the ground. And I remember Jeff Hastings, who's my youth pastor, he pastors in Columbia, Missouri now, he was on the front road, just, the whole church, but my, it was like 150 people just bawling, been praying for my dad for, for the two years we'd been there. My dad came forward and got saved. And I'll never forget it, we get down to the service, and my dad's, uh, my dad's at the back of the the uh, auditorium, and we're walking out, people are giving him a hug, and he's just weeping. And this is what he said. Man, now I can sleep, I can enjoy life. There's that, that missing piece, it's been found. Hey, listen, there's still people tonight that are seeking 
God. They're seeking God. And Cornelius would say this, number three, because God only uses men to reach men. So let me ask us tonight, you and I, Riverside Baptist Church, is missions, is the gospel, is lost souls really our priority? Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, and again, the privilege, the opportunity to be able to be in your house. Lord, I'm thankful for this month and the reminder that it's been, we're not just for worldwide missions, but even missions within our own home. Lord, I think of young people right now that, God, I haven't seen in weeks, and I know they're lost. God, I'm praying for them. And Lord, the burden has just been rekindled, and the fire just lit there. God, to see him walk the aisle or see them take the time to sit down and to share the gospel with them. Lord, I pray. Lord, I want, I want missions, and I want soul winning. I want souls. I want salvation to be my priority, God, and I know that it hasn't been. So, Lord, I'm confessing tonight that as me, as, as Andrew, Lord, uh, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I want it to be my number one priority. God, I want it to be the number one priority for each and every member here at Riverside Baptist Church. And ultimately, God, may it be the priority of Riverside Baptist Church. Lord, I know that we want to, we have outreach ministries and we have bus ministry and, and we have people we're praying for and ministering to and discipling. But Lord, after looking at 2020 and all that's gone on, Lord, I believe our days are numbered. So help us, God, to get on fire. Help us to see the vision. Help us to go ye. Lord, help us to make the gospel the number one priority. Lord, help us to make sinners and seeking sinners our number one priority. As we stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the piano is going to begin to play. Listen, if God's spoken to your heart, you just do business with God, whether it's there in your seat or